global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at nria.net. U.S. stocks are moving lower amid a mix of corporate earnings that failed to provide a clearer picture on the economic outlook. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The S&P 500 is down two tenths percent or four points to 2098. Dow Jones Industrial Average down two tenths percent or 36 points to 18,060. The Nasdaq's down two tenths percent or eight points to 4939. Ten-year Treasury down seven thirty seconds. The yield 1.87 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.80 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1.7 percent or 74 cents to 43.43 a barrel. COMEX gold is down two tenths percent or two dollars fifty cents to 12.52 an ounce. The euro, $1.1315. The yen, 109.45. Mario Draghi called for critics of European Central Bank policy to give its unprecedented stimulus measures time to work and urged governments to help. The ECB president made the comments after policymakers kept interest rates unchanged at record lows and maintained asset purchases at $90 billion a month. Sun Edison filing for bankruptcy protection after a two-year $3.1 billion acquisition binge that drove its debt to unmanageable levels and sent investors running for the exits. And crossing the Bloomberg Consumer Confidence fell last week. The weekly Bloomberg Consumer Comfort Index decreasing to 42.9 in the period, then ended April 17th from 43.6. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. We're going to have a lot of fun, folks. Peter Elliott's going to join us here in a bit. We'll talk about uh, one of my favorite places in the world. It was in the James Bond movie recently, and we'll do all that. But first, I said to our Rachel Wurstband and our staff, get me Peter Dixon. Peter Dixon is with Commerce Bank, and he is one of the few economists I know who has the courage to look outside of London at the actual United Kingdom economy. Most people are like from Heathrow into London, and maybe they get as far as uh, Canary Wharf. Peter Dixon's had the courage to look elsewhere. Uh, Peter, how strong is the U.K. economy outside the London in the financial sector that we all know? Um, it's holding up. I mean, I think there are clear indications that the the economy is slowing, um, and, and I think we've seen from the results from the financial sector, even that particular end, uh, aspect of the economy has lost a bit of momentum too. Uh, we get the first quarter GDP numbers next week. Um, we'll be looking at a 0.3 to 0.4 percent Q1 Q growth rate. That's equivalent to sort of, uh, I guess, 1.2 to 1.5 on, on the U.S. definition. So it's clearly, you know, it's clearly losing momentum, and uh, we have an economy which uh, which clearly is suffering from this London and the rest of the U.K. split, which uh, certainly has been a problem in recent years. Maybe it's two United Kingdoms, as we are two Britons, as we have two United Kingdoms. From where you sit within all your research, what is the likelihood of a breakup of the United Kingdom if Brexit passes? Well, if Brexit passes, and, you know, we're all hoping that it doesn't, um, then I think that there is going to be a lot more pressure from the Scots to push for another mm-hmm. referendum campaign, and we all know how uh, difficult that turned out to be in 2014. Um, this time around, of course, if there's a Brexit, the Scots are going to be pushing for a referendum campaign at the same time as uh, the rest of uh, the government is going to be uh, heavily involved in trying to negotiate trade mm-hmm. deals with the rest of the world. So it's going to be a, a very difficult uh, administrative burden. One final question, if I could, this morning. Color the word austerity as it relates to the Queen's England. Is it an austere fiscal policy right now? 
Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, 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 the government is, uh, as indeed many European governments are, are doing, is it's pretty much putting the brakes on. Um, and not putting the brakes on as hard as it says it is, but it's nonetheless, uh, it's not pushing down very hard on the gas. And I think we could certainly mm. do with a lot more uh, fiscal uh, fiscal stimulus. Peter Dixon, thank you so much. Very, very greatly appreciate it with Commerce Bank helping out this morning. I want to get to an opening at Grand Central Station, which is important for the nation's food industry. But first, Peter Elliott, I do want to ask some fun. 1798, there was a small uh, naval battle. Admiral Nelson's fleet destroys the French fleet at the Battle of the Nile. And on Maiden Lane, which is clearly ancient, a restaurant opened basically as a clam shack, like up in Kittery, Maine. And it became rules, which, to color things, folks, is, is where you film movies. It's such a period piece. Is the food authentic in rules, Peter Elliott? Uh, good morning, Tom. Um, I'm so I'm so pleased that of all your many obsessions that you're obsessed about rules. Rules is a very rare uh, restaurant, indeed, uh, not just in London but perhaps in the world. It really is. Um, you can bandy about these things about the oldest restaurant in the world, and yeah. everything, but it, it really is the oldest. It's really more accurate to say it's the oldest continually operating uh, okay. restaurant in the world, which almost makes it more important. Um, and it is a lovely thing in the sense that um, I would say compare it to something here in New York, like Tavern on the Green, which just can't get it together. And it's just quintessentially New York, and they just can't get it together. Rules has got it together. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they seem to have it down to a, a pattern of when it's time to close and when it's time to freshen mm-hmm. it up. And yet you still walk in and it's it's red velvet and it's walls darn peeling. It's, it's Victorian. It's and just Dickens wonderful. And I mean, they really have done an amazing job. And um, they haven't really messed with the formula. And you'd think that modern restaurateurs might right. pick up something from that. You go there, you know what you're getting, you get terrific right. game, and it's just a wonderful I, place. You're such a good historian on this. The last time I was there, I had this, I, I, I didn't really like it, folks, full disclosure. Steam steak and kidney suet pudding. Yeah. Or with oyster, and I think I, or with oyster. No, I had this, I had the steak and kidney suet pudding. Did the Queen's ancestors eat that stuff? We all ate that stuff. I mean, there's a wonderful tradition in Britain, uh, a a restaurant called um, Story, which is really all about the story of English food. And people give uh, English, I should say British food, a a really hard rap. Which is unfair. You said Which is always unfair. As someone who grew up there, I've always thought it's what made me really get into food because it's a much more temperate climate. You get terrific ingredients. Yes, there was a really horrible period between, you know, 1941 and the the 80s. But um, these these foods are as uh, traditional to Britain as Bourguignon is to France. Okay, and I want to pick on uh, the Dutch to Cambridge, Kate Middleton's Royal 29, 15 pounds, number three gin, pinky vodka, <laughs> lilit, and crystallized violet petals. Is the cocktail thing out of control, not only at rules, but everywhere? The cocktail thing is out of control Thank everywhere. You. Um, it is, it is <laughs> to the point where I was, at, I was in a restaurant called Talde last night in Brooklyn, which I love, and um, all my guy, a whole bunch of, you know, burly guys looking through their cocktail menu lists, and one of my other friends said, could I just have an old-fashioned? <laughs> I loved it. I was like, she sold him on this smoky Negroni thing, and I'll have an old-fashioned. Um, people should know, uh, when you're listening to this show, that um, we like to give good advice, and one of the best bits of advice is you can let the gal or the guy go on about whatever they're making up there yeah, in the cocktail yeah. thing, and then say, I'd like a Plymouth Martini straight up, yeah. very dry with a twist. Yeah. 
Um, and they'll do it let's still. You know, it's, it's not illegal. Yeah. Uh, to leave the Queen's England, the president, of course, traveling uh, to London from Riyadh, uh, I would say I, I'm going to editorialize and say any moment. I'm not quite sure of that. Peter, in Grand Central Station, if the Queen was to parachute in today, <laughs> is an American restaurant experiment. What is it? It is. This is a really interesting thing. So Klaus Meyer, um, who will be talking to a bit later today, actually, at about 1145, we'll have Klaus Meyer on Bloomberg Radio, um, who's an entrepreneur. He's a, a politician, he's a food guru, um, but he's most famous for being the other half of a restaurant, a little restaurant called Noma, which is more or less rightly um, the most famous restaurant in the world. And it has set a tone for modern uh, gastronomy that is moving to New York. Um, Klaus Meyer has moved his family, his life, and his profession uh, to Grand Central Station. So he's opening the Great Northern Food Hall, which will kind of bring the Nomaization, the Nordic cuisine, to he, America. He is the founder of New he, Nordic Cuisine. Do I have that right? You know, there's, it'll be like who, who founded rules. You know, okay. it, it, you know, who founded Nordic Cuisine is, uh, or New Nordic Cuisine is going to be discussed for much time. But there's no question that Noma is the most famous restaurant in the yeah. world, and that he and Rene Redzepi have, you know. Push this off to a new, uh, a new, a new history. But um, he's left Copenhagen. He's moved to New York, and he's opening a restaurant called Agron, which is in Grand Central Station. What will that be? And it will be. I don't know. I'll find out. Okay. I'm going tonight. I'll let you know. Um, but the hall itself is going to be an attempt to recreate those markets. What's that the have why made- here? Why is this? Why why are the owners of Grand Central Station, the various institutions, why are they letting this happen? I think they're letting it happen because Klaus seems to have some um, um, ability to get things done in in public government. I mean, he's he's able to do things that nobody else. People have been trying to get that space to do something for a long, long, long time, and he seems to have just by pure force of personality um, and got it through. But the most important thing is that we'll be able to have salmon on open rye sandwiches. Thirty seconds. Uh, Dessert with the Queen. Do you go with the lemon meringue pie or the sticky toffee pudding? Oh, you know, the Queen of England. Do you go with the sticky toffee pudding for sure? As as would she, I'm sure. I don't think that's a question. Okay. Peter Elliott, thank you so much. Bloomberg Reserve, can't say enough about it. It's actually in English, which is unlike most food stuff. Look for it. I make an effort to look for Bloomberg Reserve. The first time you look at it, it's daunting because it's so smart. And then you realize if you look at it for, I'm not kidding, Two minutes, you will not screw up your next food thing in New York, in Boston, in Washington, San Francisco, London, or wherever you might be. Peter Elliott with Bloomberg Reserve. We leave you the Dow, negative 30, the VIX 13.75. Yields move. They move this morning. Higher yields. Oil was higher and reverses now. But still, there it is. For the Queen and for the United Kingdom, we leave you with the Beatles. Stop and say it.